Ephesians 5 and Proverbs 16. Ephesians 5 and Proverbs 16. Uh, before we get started, though, Brittany, can you come up here? Come, come up here. So I don't know if you guys know, but Monday is our one-year anniversary, which is really cool. So we are practically relationship experts now. So if you need advice on marriage or anything, let me know. Um, so I really love you, and you're really awesome. You're a great wife. If you guys don't know, Brittany really makes all of what you call UDY happen. I just kind of come in and say stuff and sit down, and she kind of runs everything else. But I got you flowers because I love you. <laughs> love you. Okay. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, you can go sit down now. I just, I love you and you're great and awesome and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Hashtag cute. Bam. Sweet. I just, guys, take notes, all right? Guys, what I just did, that was right, okay? That's, that's what you do in situations like that, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony Adulting. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Love you, babe. You're cute. All right. Ephesians 5, verse 15. I feel awkward now, so I'm just going to go. Ephesians 5. We'll start in verse 15. This is kind of our key chunk of scripture for this series. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And go to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16, verse 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures the city. I want to focus on the second half of that scripture. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures the city. If you were to kind of extrapolate that out, kind of pull the meaning of that out, it would be this. He who governs his soul, the seat of his emotions, is mightier than the person who captures a city. I want to give you a talk around the thought, check yourself tonight. Check yourself. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are awesome. We thank you that you are great. We thank you that even though you're so awesome and great, you want to do life with us. You want to help us right a better story. And I pray as we take a look at your word real quick, that we would come to understand the role emotions play in our life and how we can live a life full, but not controlled by our emotions in your name. Amen. Amen. How many guys would call yourself emotional? Guys, gals, births, people, humans, right? How many of you call yourselves emotional? I am definitely not emotional, like at all. I, so Brittany, We'll call Brittany emotional. We'll call me not emotional. And it's funny, though, because our reactions to stuff is so different. Like, we'll watch some sappy video and Brittany's in tears. And I'm like, oh, that was cool. Let's move on. You know, like, I've processed it. I know what I feel about it. And now we can move on to the next thing. But Brittany's in tears and crying. Like, on our wedding day, Brittany cried. I, I was emotional, right? Like, I felt it. I was excited. This is awesome. Here I am. I finally convinced someone to marry me. We've made it. You know, and, like, their family's cool with it. I've tricked everybody. Let's sign the papers. Get on the honeymoon. You know? And, like, but Brittany's in the moment, and she's emotional. I'm definitely not. And the, the funny thing about it is, if I'm being honest, that started when I was really young. You know, you get friend-zoned once or twice, 
make a poor decision, don't want to deal with the emotional consequences. All of a sudden, it gets a whole lot easier to just not deal with emotions. And so I kind of sit on this side. I guess you'd call me stoic, right? Like, I just don't really deal with emotions. And then you have other people on the other side who are completely driven by emotions. And both extremes are bad. You know, emotions and the role that they play in our lives is emotions is is what allows us to kind of experience the beauty of life, right? Kind of allows us to wrap our mind around what we're feeling in these incredible moments. It allows us to embrace the beauty of life, the struggle of life, the awesomeness of life. But I think if we're being honest, a lot of us end up in the highs and the lows of emotion. And they end up kind of ruling and deciding the direction of our life. And we make a lot more decisions than we want to admit emotionally based rather than wisdom based. And we make a lot more decisions than we want to admit in our emotions instead of taking a step back to decide what's the best decision. So I want to take a couple minutes tonight and give us some keys to checking yourself. Because I really believe this. If we don't learn to check and put boundaries around our emotions, we're going to end up wrecking ourselves, right? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Bam. Here we go. All right. Thing number one, big thought number one when it comes to handling your emotions is this. You need to know yourself. Know yourself. How well do I know myself? This is a big thing for our generation. We live in a busy, always running Generation. I was reading an article the other day about how our generation is struggling sleeping because we're so used to LED light in our face right before we fall asleep. Like there's actual sleep conditions because we don't know how to put our phones down until we are falling asleep and our phones are hitting our face, right? We don't know how to do that. And this is the funny thing is we are not in tune with ourselves. We're in tune with our social media. We're in tune with our jobs, maybe. We're in tune with our friendships, probably. But if we were to pause long enough where it was quiet, we're kind of scared about what that would feel like. Kind of run from it. Kind of run from the feeling you get when your head hits the pillow and the sound stops and life pauses and I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, but I don't really know myself. One of the keys to knowing yourself, the first one is this. you got to know your tendencies. Know your tendencies. When it comes to your emotions, which way do you lean? We talked about last week. Are you a freeloader or an overloader? You know, and both play a role. If you're a freeloader, then responsibility comes your way, then you're probably like, nope, checking out on that, and it's stressing me out. If you're an overloader, you probably have so much on your plate that you're pretty short with people around you. This is an interesting thought. Are you addicted to a certain emotion? Are you addicted to a certain emotion? Mine, growing up, I was addicted to feeling guilty. I own it. That was the only way that I knew how to relate to God. God was Jesus, my Savior, me, bad human, suck, right? Okay, I would go and find ways to create that guilty feeling because it was the only way I could feel breakthrough with God. Are you addicted to a certain emotion? Do you not know how to live life if you don't feel that emotion at its base? Interesting thought. What emotion, what emotion do I allow to cloud my judgment? What emotion do I allow to cloud my judgment? Anger. I am angry, so I'm going to say this to that person. Bam, clouded my judgment. I'm happy. 
I'm happy that I just found out that I can quote unquote afford that car, which means I can afford the payment, not the car. But I'm happy, so I'm going to go purchase that thing. It clouded my judgment. When it comes to making decisions, where are my tendencies? When it comes to my emotions, am I addicted to an emotion? Do I lean towards one emotion? What emotion clouds my judgment? Second one is this. Know your triggers. Know your triggers. Man, we all have that one friend that's our friend, and we love them, and they're great, and they're phenomenal. But if we spend significant amount of times with them, then it's about to go down, right? We all have that friend that's like, if I spend more than two hours with that person, then we're, we're throwing down, right? Know your triggers. No, all right, my family right now is a hot button topic for me. I'm probably going to be in the extreme of emotion. Know your triggers. Hey, I am stressed, and when I am stressed, I tend to do this. Know your triggers. What's the thing that makes you have extreme emotion? Do I know myself well enough to answer that question? What's the thing for me, injustice, man? I don't like unfair. I'm black and white all the way around. I could be walking through Walmart, and if I think someone's getting a deal that I deserved, then I'm throwing down with the cashier, right? Like, that's not fair. I saw that price. You were charging them the wrong amount. But if you give it to me, then we're cool. That's chill. Injustice freaks me out. I don't like it. That's a trigger for me. Me being tired or hungry, Brittany will test to both. Generally after church, I go home and I eat something and then I sleep and everything is great after that. If I'm hungry or I'm tired, that's a trigger for me. What are your triggers? Do you know them? Next thought is this. Explore what you're feeling. Guys, this is important. I grew up thinking guys and emotions. John Wayne didn't have emotions. James Bond don't have emotions. Like... I don't need emotions, right? This is the problem. When we do not explore why we are feeling what we feel, we start making decisions we never thought we'd make. When I begin to make decisions that say this, hey, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but it makes me want to do this, and so bam, this is what I'm going to do. We make decisions that are unbiased, and we don't know what we're doing, right? Pause long enough to ask the question, wow, that's new. Why am I feeling that? Why do I feel the way I do? Why is how I'm feeling beginning to make me think that this is what I should do? When was the last time that you paused long enough to say, this is a new emotion, I haven't felt this one before. Why am I feeling this way? We have to be willing to pause long enough to ask this question. The only way to get rid of emotion that we don't want is to ask, why am I feeling this way? And then what am I going to do about it? Why am I feeling this way? What am I going to do about it? Because when we're just to and fro and all over the place with our emotions, then we are in control of our lives. We're not able to live wisely like it says in Ephesians 5. We're not a strong man who can take down a mighty city. We're someone who is weak and in bondage to our emotions. Second big thought is this. Write this down. Own your part. First one is know yourself. Second is own your part. Own your part. We talked about last week. Boundaries are like fences, right? Not only do they tell us what is on the other side of someone else's fence, but it also tells us what's inside mine. Emotions are inside my fence. I control my emotions. It's interesting. It's interesting we talk about emotions, right? We say, oh, she makes me happy, right? Brittany makes me happy. Bam. I like it. 
I like Brittany. She makes me happy, right? This made me mad. This thing made me angry. And yes, emotion, sure. Your observing of what happened brought up an emotion in you. But this is the interesting thing. We talk about emotions like someone else decides what my emotion is. The truth is this. I decide my emotions. I decide my emotions. The problem when we say that that situation, I have the right to be angry with that situation is this. Then I don't have the right to move on from it. When I say that that thing, that person, what happened in my life, that is the issue. Then as long as I'm still focusing on that issue, as long as that issue keeps happening, as long as I keep running into that person, as long as I keep encountering this problem, I don't have, what I'm saying is I don't have the ability to control my response to that. We have to own our emotions. Your dad does not mean you have an anger problem. It doesn't. That situation doesn't mean you have the right to stress about it continuously. I have the right to dictate and choose and govern my soul, the seat of my emotion. I have the right to decide how I emote in a situation. The first one under own your part is you have to remember to own your emotions. Write down this phrase. Write down this phrase. You are responsible to people, but not how they react. You're responsible to people, but not how they react. Some of us are in emotional slavery to someone else. Because we're unwilling to make a boundary that says, I'm not responsible for how you react to life. Some of us are carrying around other people's burdens. Some of us are carrying around our parents. Some of us are carrying around our friends. Some of us are carrying around people we do life with. Because we refuse to tell them that how they're behaving is not okay. We refuse to set an emotional boundary. Because we're concerned about losing their friendship. Or we're concerned about how they're going to react. This is the thing. If I can say with clean hands and a pure heart, I've owned my half. I've taken care of them. I've done what I need to do. I've been up front. I've been honest. I've been caring. I've owned my half. Then when I set that boundary, if they respond poorly, that's on them, not on me. We live in emotional slavery. This is the other interesting thing. We live in emotional slavery to ourselves. This is my last point. This is where we're going to end in just a second. We live in emotional slavery to ourselves because we refuse to change our perspective. We, how many of you guys have an embarrassing moment in high school? Anybody? Here's mine. I'll own it. All right. I was walking down the senior hall. I was a freshman. Had a really cool Eddie Bauer, like, messenger bag. Like, felt really proud of it. You know what I mean? You remember when you were a freshman, what you were wearing was so important? And my brother didn't get it. Like, I made the transition from basketball shorts to jeans when I became a freshman. You know what I mean? Like, I wore jeans to school. Had really cool Reeboks. Like old school original Reeboks, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I was proud of those, man. Super proud of those. Had a really cool Nike Air t-shirt. Got it at finish line in the mall. Woo! Looking good, right? And I'm walking down the hallway and I'm feeling myself. Like I look cool, feel good, do good. You know what I mean? Look good, feel good, do good. And I'm just walking down the senior hall. I chose, I didn't have to go down the senior hall to get to that class. Like I chose. I'm going to tell the seniors what's going on. Here we go. I go walking down the senior hall, messenger bag, right? Now, the way the messenger, Eddie Bauer, this is a faulty design thing. I still have to email them about it. 
Eddie Bauer decided that the water bottle holder was just going to be all those elastic straps that you could pull tight. You know what I mean? So keep that in mind. Messenger bag, walking down the senior hallway. I pass a set of doors, and I'm walking attractive set of girls, senior girls right here, right? I'm like, high school is great. Bam. Walk in, walk in, walk in. All of a sudden, I stop. Can't walk. Messenger bag. One of those elastic bands that got caught on the door on the handle, right? So now I'm stuck. I'm like leaning into it. So I take a step back, and the band comes loose, nails one of those girls on the back of the head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, super embarrassing. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah, super embarrassing. Like, but, you know, in high school, because it was like, man, my life's over. Like, I'm just going to go into witness protection and move to Florida. Like, it's over. It's not even worth it anymore, right? But this is the funny thing. I laugh at that now. I laugh at that now. Some of us live in emotional bondage to an event that we just need to change our perspective on. We live in emotional bondage to that person who said that one thing years ago. We're still trying to prove them wrong. We live in emotional bondage to that breakup that was really tough and, man, it went bad. We live in emotional bondage to what our parents said. We live in emotional bondage to what we've said about ourselves. We live in emotional bondage about what life looks like, and we forget this truth. I love this. In Romans 8, it says this, that God works all things together for those who love God. He works all things together. I think that has a lot to do with our perspective, not necessarily some miraculous event that God does. I think a lot of times I'm waiting for God to take the past and adjust it. And God's waiting for me to look at my past through the gospel, what he's done. We look at our past and say, no, (laughs) I can't move on from that because it hasn't changed. You can't change the past. A lot of us want the past to change. A lot of us want some magical moment where the past disappears and it's replaced with the decision we should have made. It's not going to happen. We live stuck and in these emotional guilty cycles where we keep replaying, every time we start seeing breakthrough in our lives, we go right back to that moment that we're emotionally in bondage in. I'm telling you mine, I fell out of college twice. When I start seeing breakthrough and really seeing momentum, that's the moment I go back to. That's been tough for me to say, man, I failed out twice, but you know what? I'm about to go back to college. I'm going to kill it. Because I've changed my perspective on my past. That didn't mean that I failed. I just took on too much. Man, you change your perspective on some of those events. Man, that breakup was really tough, but I've grown a lot through it. Man, he said that I wasn't going to amount to anything, but look at what I've done now. We start replacing opinions, our opinions on the past. We allow that to change the facts of our present. I have the band come on. We're just going to end with worship in a second. This is the interesting thing to me. Is if we would allow God, if we would allow God to change our perspective, we'd allow God to really work in our heart and begin to say, no, I know this is what you feel about yourself emotionally. I know this is where you're at in your head. Hey, I know what you're struggling with. Hey, I know what you're fighting through. If we would allow God to begin to start dropping some truth into our soul, into our heart, 
See, boundaries, a lot of us set up boundaries so no one can come in, including God. I want to encourage you in this as we get ready to worship. If you have an area in your life where, man, you're realizing you're held emotionally to, you're in bondage to that moment, to that person, to that thing, I would encourage you to allow worship to kind of open your heart up. Allow God to start reminding you of the truth. Hey, I know you feel like you failed, but the truth is this, that I have plans for you to give you a future and a hope. Hey, I know that you feel like you've messed up too bad, but I can work all things together for good. Hey, I know you feel like you missed your purpose, but no eye has seen, no ear has heard the wonderful things I have for those who love me. If we would allow God to start coming in to that area and changing our perspective on it, I think we, we could really grow, really begin to change. You stand to your feet. I'm just going to worship and then we'll wrap up. Man, I want to encourage you tonight. Just grab, why don't you bow your head and close your eyes just for a second. Man, we're all human. To be human means to be flawed. We're all human. To be human means that we've all messed up. We all have something that when we put our heads on our pillows at night, man, we don't want to think about that thing. I want you to just for a moment to think back on that, to ponder on it. And I really believe this, that as we worship tonight, that God's really going to start setting you free from that. Not because he's magically going to change the decision you made or the place you found yourself, but because he's going to begin to change your perspective on it. Let's worship. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. You got some stuff that you're running from. You got some stuff that if you're being honest, you've ran emotionally from for years. Whether it's someone someone said about you, a situation, a mistake you made, you've been running for a long time. And the truth of this song that we're singing is interesting. See, everyone, including yourself, perspective on that situation is opinion. Only Jesus has the right to say that it's finished. And the only it is finished that we ever see Jesus say is when he paid for our mistakes on the cross. So as far as he's concerned, the only thing that's finished is your right to keep going. You can keep going. He died for that. You can stand back up. You don't have to run, friends, emotionally from yourself. You don't have to run emotionally from God. God really wants you to engage him so he can help you change your perspective on what you've been running from. Only Jesus. It's the truth of this gospel that we believe. It's the truth of this message. It's the power of what we say when we're in a relationship with Jesus. Is Man, only Jesus has the right to say it's over. And he looks at you and says, keep going. He looks at you and says, man, keep fighting. 
He looks at you and saying, I know you're scared of that moment, but I'm not. I've already dealt with it. It's done with. Let's change your perspective and let's move on. I want to pray for you tonight. If you got something that if you're being honest, you're running from. If you're being honest, you're emotionally in bondage to. I don't want to call you for and I don't want to embarrass you. No one's looking around. Could you just put your hand on your heart for me? If you're realizing that you got something that you haven't dealt with, that you're scared to deal with, that maybe you're ashamed of. I know it's a big word, but you got something that if you're being honest, it's deep down in there and you don't want anybody to know about it. And I want to pray for you. God, we thank you. We thank, we, we thank you. We don't know what else to say, God. We thank you for the truth of this gospel that we believe in, this good news. God, that you came to take the dead areas in our life and bring them to life. That you came to take the areas that we said no one ever should know about that and say, I do, and I don't care, and you can keep moving forward. We thank you for that, God. We thank you that you're faithful and that you love us. We thank you that we get to be in relationship with you, that you are pursuing us. You're not ashamed of us. You're not scared of us. You're not mad at us. God, you love us, and you want to help us write a better story than we ever could imagine. We thank you for that. You're so great. In your name. Amen. Hey, if, if you need someone to talk to, that's why we do this. Like, the message is great. Worship was awesome, but the message was great. I just bragged on myself. Sorry. I hope the message was great. Worship was awesome, but, man, we do this because we want you to know you're not alone. We, want, we do this because we want you to know that you're not the only one going through what you're going through. And please, if you don't want to talk to anybody tonight, that's cool. But don't buy into the lie that you're the only one dealing with what you're dealing with. Uh, There's a bunch of people in this room dealing with what you're dealing with. But I want to encourage you, if you need someone to talk to, that's why we do what we do. Come talk to Brittany or I or anybody on the band or one of our other leaders. And and we just love to hear your story and encourage you and pray with you. Because we really believe, like, we really believe that Jesus helps us write better stories. And if you want to know what that looks like, we'll talk to you about that too. Thanks for coming. Have a great night. Hopefully we see you Sunday. If not, we'll see you next Thursday.